Hey Siri, remind me to pick up milk on the way home. Hey Siri, remind me about ballet practice at 5 p.m. Hey Siri, remind me to ask mom if I can borrow her car for Friday. Hey Siri, remind me to call the body shop. Hey Siri, remind me to take out the trash tonight. Siri, hey Siri, hey Siri, hey Siri, hey Siri, 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 You know, we are in a series called Ephesians right now. And uh, we kicked it off, and it's, it's going great. We're, 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 we're diving into chapter two today. But really, Ephesians is a book, it's a letter, it's called an epistle written by a, a gentleman by the name of Paul, known as the Apostle Paul. It's one of his prison epistles where he's writing from prison, and he wrote to a church in Ephesus. And uh, this, this city, Ephesus, was a, was a metro city, and there was a lot of similarities to the things that were happening in that culture uh, that's happening today. It's uh, kind of awesome to see that it's not really good, but it's kind of, you know, you get to see how history really repeats itself. And uh, Paul is writing to the church there to encourage them about the gospel, about the good news and its effect it has on our lives. As a matter of fact, we ended last week, Paul, in the first chapter, and uh, he was saying, look, the ultimate example The ultimate example of God's power is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. I mean, that's the ultimate example of the power of God where he he basically defeats death and the grave. That's a big deal. Uh, It's huge. You know, Pastor Jordan said last week that the only hope that withstands the power of death is the hope found in the power of the gospel. And man, look, our faith will be tested and it will be proven and it has to be proven accredited that our hope at the end of the day when it's all said and done is in Christ and Christ alone. And I would encourage you to go back and listen to that message if you haven't already. Uh, Very, very powerful. But we're continuing on today in chapter two verses one through 10. And every week what we're doing is we're answering a question. A big idea, if you would. And the question today that we're going to uh, attempt to answer is what is so amazing about grace? What's so amazing about grace? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, it's living, it's active, it's sharp. God, it's able to penetrate our life, God. We open ourselves up to it, God. Your word is, is good for us today. It's good to encourage us. It's good, it's good for reproof. It's good for uh, rebuke, God. It's good for correction. And so, God, we, we humble ourselves underneath the hearing of your word. And Holy Spirit, we're asking that you would reveal Jesus to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, to support that question, we're going to mine out of these uh, 10 verses today, these three big ideas. And the first one is, apart from Christ, we were spiritually dead. Apart from Christ, we're spiritually dead. Number two, we are spiritually alive with Christ. And then number three, in Christ, we are God's workmanship. We are God's workmanship. And we're picking up in uh, verse number one. You know, I was, I was looking at this verse in these 10 verses because, you know, we're going through the book of Ephesians. And obviously, I've got to communicate about it today, so it'd be good to read the verse, right? So as I was looking at this verse, I was talking to one of the, one, one of the staff members, and I said, you know, man, this verse doesn't have the same power in my life or the same... Um, uh, 
impact that it had when I read it for the first time about 20 years ago, when I gave my life to Christ, when I surrendered to God calling me to be made one with him through Jesus. I remember looking at this group of scriptures in wow and awe, thinking, my God, this is, this is amazing what God had done done uh, in our lives if we, if we surrender to him. Uh, it, it's very impactful. And uh, as I was looking at the verse earlier this week, I thought, man, you know, I, I, I don't feel like it's having that same impact in my life that it had about 20, 20 years ago. And so uh, that kind of bothered me a little bit because this is profound truth that we're about to dive into, but it bothered me a little bit. And so throughout the week, I just like, hey, look, you know, I just don't feel like it's got the same impact that it used to have. God, I need to be reminded. I, I, need, I need help here. How many of you know that we have to seek God to continue to unveil his truth to us? We have to seek God to continue to unveil the, the, the Jesus to us. And so that's where I was at. And, uh, you know, throughout the week, I just was kind of reminiscent about, you know, where I came from and where I'm at now. And during the first service, we were right there in that worship set. And during that set, I kind of saw like a slideshow in my head, like a a PowerPoint presentation uh, back in 1998 when I walked into this building and saw my dad get water baptized and impacted my life greatly. And then, then I saw a scene when I was in a small group, my very first small group. It was a family small group and my mom and dad were separated and I was a 23-year-old man and I was hungry for God and God had changed my life and it, everything was new and it was unbelievable. And I sat in that family small group and I saw God restore uh, my parents' marriage. And, and, and then he showed me another scene where I I realized that I, I, I was going to preach the gospel and so forth and so forth, and so forth. And it just impacted my heart so greatly that it was like God was reminding me that this scripture is still impacting you greatly. Sometimes it's good to have a reminder. You know what I'm talking about? And this is what Paul the apostle was doing to the church. He was writing to the church in Ephesus. He was writing to the called out ones, to believers, those who have submitted themselves to Christ or surrendered to Christ. And he says, I want to remind you, church, verse one, that you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. This is a loaded group of scriptures right here. <laughs> this thing is loaded. And what I've realized in my tenure of following Christ is that until the Holy Spirit reveals this truth to us personalized, then it just becomes words in a book that I'm reading. And we need the Holy Spirit desperately to uh, verify this truth in our life. And that's what Paul was doing. By the way, the word of God is inspired by the spirit of God. It's living, it's active, it's sharp. It was penned, this particular book was penned by the apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And we believe in its entirety, the word is infallible and we can lean on it. And it's God's truth, it's God. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, I was the word made flesh. And so it reveals Jesus. Jesus, it, God reveals to us himself through his word. This is how God operates. I'm just here to encourage you. This is how God operates. Uh, uh, 21 years ago, or about 20 and a half years ago, I was offshore 
and uh, worked a graveyard shift and uh, I, I was desperate for God. I, I, was, I was at a place of, uh, uh, I was at a place of end. I was at the end of myself and I, I remember crying out to God to spare my life and I opened up the scripture for the first time with that heart posture and God revealed himself to me as an individual through his word. It was miraculous and that's what we need, everybody. We need God to reveal himself to us but this is, this is loaded right here. It says we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And, 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 and that brings me to the first point. Apart from Christ, we were spiritually dead. I'm talking about dead. Pretty positive statement, isn't it? You were dead. The problem with this a lot of times is we don't really think or feel that we were totally dead or that we're totally dead. You know, I, I, I do a, a minimal gardening, which simply looks like tearing out old plants and replacing them with rocks. <laughs> that's, that's about the, the sum of my gardening skills. <laughs> All right, let's put it, yeah. So, you know, I had, I had a, uh, uh, you know, these plants in the, the little front of the house, you know, they got three or four of the same type of plant. And this one plant began to die and wither and it wasn't completely dead. You know, it's like half dead and you know, it's got some green leaves over here. So I went and, what, they don't have a name, but I call them uh, 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 fertilizer bombs. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's like a stick. It's almost like a chlorine stick. It's about that big and it's about that skinny. It's got a point in it and I, and I nail it into the ground with a hammer and I'm like, all right, we're gonna take care of you, bam. You know what I mean? Throw a little water on there and we in business. Well, you know what? That, that bomb didn't work for me. You know, I don't know about you. And, and, and so I looked back at it and it wasn't really living and the other ones were kind of alive. So I decided to rip them all out and replace them with rocks. The problem with us sometimes is we just think we need a little fertilizer bomb in our life and we're gonna come back together. But, but ultimately, no, we're dead. We're fully dead. We're like the plant that if you just touch it, that the thing breaks off and, the, and the, the, you, know, you can blow on it and the, and the old dead leaves fall off of it. That's what Paul the apostle is saying right here. That word dead is translated in the Greek to corpse. You are a corpse outside of Christ. You are totally spiritually dead. And that's not popular, by the way, but that's reality. And like I was saying before, Pastor Jordan said it last week, that uh, unless we're born again of God's spirit, we can't see the glorious light of the gospel. And this truth is not made real to us until we come in contact with Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit reveals this truth to us as individuals that we were dead, man. And that's what Paul the apostle is saying to the Christ followers. He said, hey guys, you were dead. Don't forget where you came from. You are a corpse, man. You are, no, you are dead. You are separated. You are alienated. You are not connected to God. You are dead in your trespasses and your sins. Ultimately, what that's saying is that we weren't able to meet the perfect standards of God within ourselves. It's impossible to measure up to God's glorious standards within ourselves. That's why we need Christ. He is the mediator. The Bible clearly states that there's one God and one mediator between God and man, and it's the man, Christ Jesus. And that's the good news that we preach about, that I don't have to do more, I have to surrender more. I don't have to drum something up through self-sufficiency or religious rote. I just have to 
get on my knees and say, God, here I am. I'm right here. I surrender to you, God. And that's the good news of the gospel. No matter what your status is, no matter where you came from, whether you thought you were a little bit dead, come on somebody, or whether you realize you're all the way dead, you need Christ. You need Christ. And that's what he's telling to the church. He's like, look, guys, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were disobedient. He said, he said you were sons of, disobedient, of disobedience and you followed the world. That's, what, that's the state. We were in the condition that we found ourselves in. And that word world actually means cosmos. It's the, word is, the root word is cosmos. And it, and, it, and it deals with the systems of thinking, the ideals, the goals, the opinions uh, 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 that's influenced by Satan. So in other words, you are a follower of Satan. Welcome to Northwood Church. <laughs> you know, we were, and you know, you say, well, man, I don't think I was. Well, the reality is you were. And that's the reality that, again, that's why we preached a, a, a clear-cut gospel because we, we worship the God of the Bible we read. And, and, and the Holy Spirit reveals this truth for us, but there's a, there's a dominion, uh, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a kingdom of darkness. There, there's a domain where, where Satan has influence in, and we were all underneath that domain when we weren't underneath the domain of the kingdom of light. The, the Bible says that we've been translated into the kingdom of light, which tells me we were also in the kingdom of darkness at one time. And I don't know about you, for me, it was really easy to know I was in the kingdom of darkness. For others, it's not so easy. But by the Holy Spirit, we are all in the kingdom of darkness or we're in the kingdom of light. We're not in a great kingdom anywhere. Come on, somebody. And... Uh, it's powerful to realize that, that that domain, that kingdom of darkness where the spirit of the air, speaking of Satan, rules and reigns, is an invisible kingdom. And in that kingdom, Satan's work is worked into our lives, and we don't even realize it because either A, we just feel like we're a good person because we pay our bills, we've got an education, we go to job, we put our trash can in the backyard, not where anybody can see it in front of our house, you know? I had my garbage can in the garage, you know, because you're not supposed to put it out and where people can see it. And man, you tell me what that garage smells. And, uh, but, but, you know, we, we were in that kingdom and the work of Satan was operating our life. And, we, you know, a lot of times, most people are deceived until God opens our eyes. That's why we pray on uh, uh, worship and prayer nights here. We're praying that the light of the gospel would, would, would go through the blinders of people so that they can see that light and turn to Christ. And God does that through the Holy Spirit. It's his plan. But, but Satan was at work in unbelievers' lives. That was me and that was you and that's some of you right now, believe it or not. Satan was at work there in that jurisdiction, in that domain. As a matter of fact, that word work that's used in Ephesians 2 is the same word work that's used in Ephesians 3 that speaks about the work of God. It's an effectual work. It's accomplishing something. And that's where we were. Paul was saying, you were in that domain. You were in the kingdom of darkness. Colossians states it as well. Chapter 1, verse 13, it says, he has delivered us 
from the domain or the kingdom or the jurisdiction of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. That's the great news, everybody. That's the great news. And, 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 and if it, it, just like me, you know, I, ha- I, ha- I have to submit myself again to the power of the gospel so that it can affect my life in a great way. So what I did this week. I said, my God, I, I don't feel like this truth is impacting me as great as it did 20 years ago. That's a problem. This is huge right here. This, 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 is, this is huge. But in that jurisdiction, the influence of Satan is obvious. Greed, murder, sexual immorality, pride, human sufficiency, and the list goes on and on and on and on. And the greatest deception is that you're not living in that domain and everything's all right, right? The same scheme that's been used century after century. The Gospels in, the, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they, they even say that, that, that the ruler of demons and, 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 and the, that cosmos is Satan himself. It's the kingdom of darkness. We were influenced by it. We were. So why would Satan be allowed this type of authority. That's what some critics would say, and even in our mind, you know, well, why? why? Why would he, God, why would you allow Satan to have authority in this invisible domain that there, there are people are here and living in it right now? Why, God? And uh, I'll give you the short answer. God permitted it. He's supreme, the supremacy of Christ. God permitted it. We, we learned in the book of Romans that God is sovereign. He does what he wants, when he wants, how he wants to do it. And, uh, you know, you're not the first person to question God. There was a guy by the name of Job who questioned God's sovereignty. I'd encourage you to go read it. it, 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 it it's, it's breathtaking. And, uh, and I'm not, look, this life is going to throw us some painful blows, that causes us to wrestle with our faith and at times even doubt our faith. But God wants to accredit your faith through Christ. That's what's so important for us not to forsake the assembling together with one another so that we can encourage one another as we see our day approaching, our day of death and the day of eternity. I need encouragement. How about you? Just because I'm a preacher, you know what I'm talking about in the back office, don't mean I don't wake up at three o'clock in the morning and think about circumstances in my life or my family and say, God, what's going on here? And my faith gets kind of uh, rattled. But when I step here and I'm encouraged by the body of Christ, you encourage me. We encourage one another and we hear the word of God and we're reminded where we came from and where we're going. Right? We're not here to perform. Come on, somebody. We're not, we're not playing church. I'm here to encourage you and to impart something into your life that's going to sustain the storms, and you're going to be able to stand at the end and say, it was good, it's well with my soul. And that's the everlasting gospel that we preach that's so important and so powerful. And Paul was saying, look, guys, you were dead. You were living in sin. You, 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 know, you, you, you followed your sinful desires. And you are objects of wrath. You know, one theologian said this, and and by the way, people's been studying why Satan would even have this type of authority for centuries and centuries and centuries and centuries. And uh, there's sometimes a place in our life like Job to where we run out of study, we run out of gas, and we rely on faith and faith alone which is Christ. One theologian said this, the contrast of God's glory far outweighs the shadow of Satan 
And without that contrast, his glory wouldn't be revealed. Still might have questions, and I understand we all have questions. That's why faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. It's a living faith found in Christ, and that's what causes us to stand despite of lack of understanding. You with me? And the Holy Spirit is the one who does this work in your life as an individual. Very powerful and very good to know, but we followed our sinful desires. We were total depravity. All aspects of our being was infected with the deadly disease of sin. We were born with this sin nature and our condition was sin and we needed a savior and we had a total inability in ourselves. Total inability. Morally, we are not capable of responding to God apart from grace. And God initiates grace. He initiates faith. It's all Jesus. It's not in ourselves at all. There's nothing we can do but surrender to his call. That's it. The goodness of man is not able to measure up to God's righteousness that is only found in Christ Jesus alone. This is the gospel. This is the straight line gospel that we preach. You know, our attempt to please God without Christ, we will always fall short. That's why I love what we, 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 we said. There's no need to work hard or surrender more. I'm not going to drum up anything in my life. By the way, when I said I, I uh, didn't feel like this scripture was impacting me like the way it did, I couldn't manufacture an impact in my life. Does that make sense? I, I, I just surrendered to it and acknowledged the, where I was with God and said, hey, look, God, I, I need help here. Do you know that's a good prayer? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Hey, God, I, I just need some help here, you know? And, and, and he's faithful to reveal his word to me at a greater level, and he did, and he is, and he is right now. I'm just a regular person like you. Romans chapter three, verse 23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glorious standard of God. That word sin actually means I'm missing the mark. It's like a picture of a bullseye. And no matter how many times you throw that dart, no, no matter how well you work on that form, no matter how well you work on that release, every time you're gonna miss the bullseye because without Christ, you'll never hit the bullseye. That's what sin is. And it said, all have sinned and fall short of God's, God's glorious standard. You know, it'd be a good idea, a good uh, technique for you to go home and look in the mirror and say, you are dead without Christ. You ever tried that before? No, you never try that. It sounds a little weird, doesn't it? But at the end of the day, it's true. Sometimes I have to do that. You know, the psalmist did in the Old Testament. It said he spoke to his soul and reminded himself about God. And uh, we have to do that at times. I have to be able to look in the mirror and say, there's nothing in you, Casey, that's good at all. You might have some goodness of man, but there's nothing in you that's gonna produce righteousness. There's nothing in you except Jesus alone, and that's it. He is the cornerstone of your life. Just keep surrendering and following him. And I have to remind myself, and Paul was saying this right now, we were all sinners, and we all fell short of the glorious standard of God, and we needed a savior because we were doomed. Doomed. That's right. We were doomed with that. We were doomed. We were children of wrath. Second Corinthians chapter four says we were blind. Romans chapter six says we were a slave to sin. You know, we were a slave to sin. It dictated what we should do, what we shouldn't do. We were a slave to it. Now we're a slave of righteousness. John chapter three says we were a lover of darkness. 
Mark chapter two said we were sick in need of a healer. Luke chapter 15 said we were lost and needed to return to the Father. Ephesians chapter two said we were an alien, a stranger, a foreigner from the promises of God uh, outside of the vine. His name is Jesus. Colossians chapter one says we were under the power of darkness. We were doomed. And that's what Paul was saying. Guys, you were doomed. That's it. You were doomed. Our spiritual status could not be more tragic and hopeless. The door of mercy is wide open for us, though, and that door is Jesus. Don't you like when verses start out like this after you hear something like that? But God. Verse four, but God. (laughs) But God, rich in his mercy, Mercy triumphs over judgment. I read about last night in James. Mercy triumphs over judgment because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses. Did I tell you that word dead means a corpse? Even though we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him, talking about Jesus, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. God's work is on display here. He is supreme and everything is under his foot. God is supreme and he's working his plan in us and through us. What's so amazing about grace? With Christ, we're spiritually alive. He's like, church, you are in the kingdom of darkness. You are dead in your trespasses and sins. You were doomed. You followed your sinful nature. You are an object of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. But God, rich in his mercy and his favor, looked upon you and sent Christ. And now because of Christ, you've been translated out of darkness. You've been translated out of that domain. You've been translated out of that demonic influence. And now you're in the kingdom of light and the work of the Holy Spirit is starting to operate in your life. And you've been made alive with God in Christ Jesus. Jesus. That's what happened to us. It's a miracle, by the way. It's a miracle, by the way. It's, a, it's a, the work of God. He came to our rescue. Why? Because it's who he is. It's what he does. It's his character. It's his character. He made us alive with Christ. You know, Christianity is not about becoming a better version of you. It's about becoming a completely new person in Christ. That's a big deal. Would you rather be a brand new person in Christ or have some subpar fertilizer bomb implanted in your mind and you think you're okay, but you're still a corpse? You're just half green and half... (laughs) Who wants fertilizer bombs? I need a brand new life. You know, Paul the apostle that we're talking about here, this guy... He was a smart dude. He did some good things that he thought he was doing for God. He was a scholar, a Hebrew scholar. He, he, he was born out of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. He knew every uh, jot and tittle of the law of God, the Torah of God. He had political power. He had religious power. But on a way to, uh, he was on a journey on a way to a place called Damascus. He was encountered by God. 
He had an encounter with God and he became blind and, God, and, and Jesus said, I'm gonna show you some things, Paul. I'm gonna change who you are. I'm gonna change your nature. I'm gonna translate you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And you're no longer gonna be Saul of Tarsus. You're gonna be Paul the apostle, a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. And everything's gonna become new. And the Holy Spirit is doing a work in you. And you're gonna carry out that work in Jesus' name. And that's what God wants to do to each one of us. You need to have an encounter with God that far outweighs head knowledge. You need an encounter with God. If you haven't had that encounter with God, maybe today's your day to have that encounter. It's not about becoming a better version of you. It's about becoming a brand new person in Christ. This is not a self-help message. God raised us up. What's so powerful here, Paul was like, look guys, you were dead, but, but now you're, being, you're made alive with God. You're no longer a corpse. You're a spiritual living being connected to God now. It's a miracle. And it says we, that God raised you up with Christ. That word raised means synchronized. Like instantaneously you were synchronized with Christ. It's like technology, you know, that syncs together. It's really a bad comparison because it's so, you know, earthly. You got technology, but that's the only thing I can tell you. It's a synchronization. And that happens. That's the work of God. You know, we talked about the work of Satan and the influence of Satan. That's the work of God that does in the life of a person. Instantaneously, we're synchronized with Christ and we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Say, how can that be? By a miracle. That word seated means authority. Once you're seated with Christ, once you're synchronized with Christ, once you've been made alive with Christ, now you have the power. You have the power as an individual to resist sin. You have the power as an individual to no longer be a slave to sin, but you have power to resist Satan. You have power to recognize the schemes of the devil. You now have power in you and resonating in you by the Holy Spirit that causes you to be able to stand through temptation and when. The power causes you to recognize the work of the enemy. The power causes you to be able to resist the work of the flesh, your own evil desires within you. By God's power and his grace, we're transformed into the image of Jesus. You know, we're instantly synchronized. We're instantly raised with God. We're instantly seated with Christ. But now God begins to do a greater work in us called transformation. And it's a beautiful thing. Transformation is, is, is a wonderful thing that God does in our life. He dispenses his grace to us. It's unmerited grace. It's unmerited favor. We do nothing to deserve it. And with this everlasting grace, we're going to live in eternity with God. My dad always says, hey, we're going to live forever. It doesn't matter anymore. That's a good way to look at it, isn't it? What's so amazing about grace? What's so amazing about grace Verse eight, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, in Christ, we are God's workmanship. Paul can't, Speak of the glorious work without reminding us again that grace is a gift and we did nothing to, to deserve it or earn it. It's God 
It's God who initiates that. It's a free gift. There's no way we can boast about it of what we've done or what we haven't done. Don't you love that about Jesus? Think about it for a second. If it was the case of we had to earn something, people be walking around here with badges on. Look what I've done. I've got this far. You know, some theologians say the, the Pharisees in the Old Testament, they used to wear these things called phylacteries on their head. And there were boxes. And they'd put them on their head. And, and, and the size of the box was basically the size of how many scriptures they could memorize. Wouldn't we all look funny if we had little boxes and big boxes on our head? <laughs> Glowing in our glory. is it pitiful, huh? There's no glory but God. There's no glory. for Our glory is to be able to point to the glory of God at best. Being reflectors of his glory. If salvation was accomplished, an accomplishment of man in any way, we could boast about it. But under God's plan of salvation, God alone receives the glory. We are his workmanship. We are. You know that word workmanship, it kind of, it describes a beautiful poem. You know, we're, we're God's story. We're God's beautiful poem. The Jerusalem Bible translates workmanship as a work of art. We're a work of art. Some of you say, yeah, you're really a work of art. Yeah. <laughs> but you're a work of art by the power of God. You know, I love in Jeremiah, it talks about that we're like potter, pottery. We're like clay in the potter's hand. And he begins to form us and he begins to fashion us and, he, and, and the circumstances of life begin to soften us and, and God's transformative power never stops until we die. You know, we've been having some deaths here recently in the church and one of the stories uh, for Miss Marie Wolgas who passed not too long ago is that to the very end, it said her feet was worshiping the king. You know, I think we'll be like that. We don't know how we're going to die, but God's not finished with us until we, until we die in the flesh here and then we're on the glory. Never forget that, that God's, not, God's continuing to transform us into his image. And because we are God's workmanship in Christ Jesus, people should actually see our works and say, that's a work of God right there. You know, everything we do should point back to Christ, not to ourselves. Everything we do should point back to Christ. I have to do that as a, as a pastor, believe it or not. I have to remind myself that I'm not standing up here to perform for nobody. I'm not standing up here for the applaud of man. I'm sincerely standing here for one reason only, to communicate the gospel, and I'm nothing special. I was a wretch of a man, and God saved me, and for whatever reason, he told me to communicate the gospel. I'm nothing, and my wife can attest to that. Now, I'm a good man now because of Christ. Now, you know what I'm talking about. I wash the laundry. You know what I'm talking about. I pick up the dishes. I pray for my wife. Come on, man. We got a good marriage. You know what I mean? We're synchronized here. We're harmonized. I'm just trying to tell you that, look, we're nothing without Christ. And that's what Paul was saying. I'm nothing, you were nothing, we were dead, but now we've been made alive with Christ. And because we've been made alive with Christ, we're now God's artwork. We're now part of God's poetry and his workmanship. And now because of that, we're gonna respond to God with good works. We're, we're gonna respond to God by, by, by being inspired by God and his word and follow through with what God's doing inside of our lives. 
You know, when I was going through this, I, I was thinking about the my three card that we have. And it, this is a reality. And when this reality impacts your heart, my three changes everything. My three is three people that you are praying for that are spiritually dead, that are in the kingdom of darkness, just like you were. And when that reality, it, 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 it's not about putting a name on a card. It's about having the compassion of Christ move through you for people. And when this becomes a reality, this was happening to me this week, you know what I mean? It was like, my God, you know, we got to talk about Jesus. We've got to use the right language and we got to have the right heart. But at the end of the day, you got to talk about Jesus to people. I mean, look, when I got saved, I told everybody about Jesus. And my life was such a contrast. They said, well, yeah, you're right. There really wasn't a lot of arguing about it. But we got to talk about Jesus. We, we've got to share what Jesus has done in our life. This, this, this is huge. Matthew 5, 16 says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who's in heaven. We're on mission. Man, we're, we are on mission. And this should create an urgency on the inside of us. An urgency that changes our life, that causes us to look at life differently. This is an amazing truth that Paul is unpacking for us by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And I, I love how these 10 verses end. We were dead. We were a corpse. We've been made alive with God. We've been translated in the kingdom of heaven. Now the work of God, we've been synchronized and seated and raised up in Christ. And now we're his beautiful artwork. Now we're on mission. Now we're on mission to go after others. What's so amazing about grace? That's what's so amazing about grace. Apart from Christ, we were spiritually dead. Now we've been made right with God through Christ and we are his workmanship. That's the gospel. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I wanna pray right now for those who are outside of this promise, God, those who are in the kingdom of darkness. I want you to think about your loved ones right now. If you're watching online, and some of you might be in this room right now, some of you might be online, I want you to think about your loved ones. God, I, I, we pray for them. I want you to think about that coworker. I want you to think about that student in class. I want you to think about that person in your neighborhood. I, I want you to think about them and say, that's where they are. And so God, we're praying right now for them in the name of Jesus. God, we're, 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 we pray that your compassion would bleed out of us, God, for these people. God, we pray that you would open the eyes of their understanding, that they might see the light of the glorious gospel and be translated into the kingdom of light, God. We pray over them right now, God. We speak salvation to them, God. We're praying that you would get your glory in their life, God. We're praying that you would use us, God. We're praying for, for that right now in the name of Jesus. Some of you in here, you're in that place. And the Holy Spirit's revealing that to you, where you're in the kingdom of darkness. You're not in the kingdom of light. And only God can reveal that to man. He's initiating you. And we respond to his initiation. We respond to his grace by surrender. Say, Lord, I surrender right now. God, I need you. I surrender. Thank you for coming after me, God. Thank you for dying on the cross, Jesus. 
paying the price that I couldn't pay. I receive the gift of salvation right now. That's you, just giving you some time. Maybe you're online watching right now. That's you. Just surrender to God. It's a beautiful thing. It's not in ourselves. It's Christ and him alone. We receive you, Lord. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church. Let's give it up for those who prayed that prayer. Well, Pastor Jordan. I grew up in the same church for the first 30 years of my life or so. I got a wife, Sarah, here, and then two kids, Lucas, who's six, and Harper, who's about to turn four. When we started to have kids, you know, it really wasn't, we were the youngest people there, almost no kids, really. So I knew, you know, we were going to have to find somewhere family-oriented. I'd heard about Northwood probably years before we came because I'd already looked at all the YouTube videos and the website videos and my sister-in-law had started coming here you know just shortly before us and uh, she loved it and everything I'd heard about it everybody loved it so it just seemed like a good place to go and so we made the decision to come one Sunday. We've always thought it was important to serve in the church that helps you get involved gives you a different perspective on the church than if you just show up on Sundays. The team's probably the thing that's made me feel the most comfortable at Northwood. I think part of me knew it would be cool to see the behind the scenes, but then I think part of me thought it would almost be like a show. So to get in there and see that, you know, like there is no putting on the game face. The game face never goes off. So the guy in the parking lot smiling's not just doing it to get you to, oh, you know, fake in and the worship team's not, you know, trying to be the best singer in the world, but you want to create an environment where people can just drop all that baggage that they have. So to see that that's not just a Sunday morning thing, but I guess I just didn't expect it to be so much like that. To make a lot of friends in a church with multiple services and multiple locations, you know, it may take me 10 years to make, you know, some friends. And so I knew, like, we're going to have to get involved in this small group thing. Of course, we'd never had any experience with them, so we didn't know what to expect. I overanalyze life, and so I'll start to overanalyze my problems and, and I'll turn them into like, Clint's the only one dealing with this. No one else has this problem, it's just me. You know, so then when you get into a small group and there's five other people who've gone through the same thing or are going through that, and then to have people that can pray for you about those problems that you thought were only yours, um, is huge. Hey, South Mississippi, I'm Joel, and I'm the worship director here at Northwood Church. Right now, we're looking to connect with people that have the talent to sing or play an instrument. Northwood Church exists to help people know God. One way we do that is by having weekly worship services. We use lots of modern sounds in our worship sets, like electric guitars, drums, pianos, and synths. If music is your passion, I would love to connect with you. Simply provide your name, email, and phone number, and you'll hear from me soon. I can't wait to connect with you.